welcome everybody to today's B-Side Chat. As a reminder, joining me today as a guest co-host, we'll call him an honorary guest co-host, is publisher of Zero Books, uh, host of Zero Books, Zero Squared podcast, rather. Previously, Diet Soap, back in the day. Uh, YouTube virtuoso. A man of many talents who's very busy himself, Doug Lane. Thanks for coming back on the show. Hey, thanks for having me on both sides of your podcast. Hey, you're welcome on both sides. Uh, it would be rude of me uh, not to invite all of my friends to, I don't know where I'm going with this. I don't know uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so, well, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk yeah. in this, in this side, I w- I'm going to be doing a lot of the uh, asking of yeah. questions. You're my okay. guest. You're my guest co-host. We're just we're just uh, podcast pals chatting it up. Let's do this. It's going to be a collaborative enterprise. Tell the audience then what what are we doing today? What, what what's our uh, we're gonna we're gonna do a two for relitigate a debate uh, without necessarily quoting from the essays from 1995 yeah. Yeah. between Nicholas Granham and Lawrence Grossberg is the way I'm looking at it. Although yeah. it, maybe we'll go a little bit to the side of that or deeper than that. We're also, you gave me a Jameson essay to look at. Yeah, Frederick Jameson look, sort of weighed in in his own way. Yeah. I say look at because uh, when you gave it to me, uh, it was not not to blame you for this, but yeah, I just it was like an hour ago. Enough, yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. So I, I, yeah. I read some of it. So we're going to talk about cultural studies uh, as it exists now and then uh, as it's been debated in the past. Uh, but I don't come out of cultural studies. I, got a, I have a philosophy degree from a long time ago, just as a bachelor level, I wrote science fiction for years. I still write science fiction. And then I am sort of an autodidact when it comes to theory. So like I read, read a lot of Marxist theory and Marx and, and, uh, and I'm, I'm always still kind of trying to learn more. But when I, and I, and I knew about, um, sort of, I knew about postmodern theorists and post-structuralists in the nineties. I read about that stuff. Um, all right. You're scared. You're, you're scaring away the audience. When okay. With all of the see, this isn't zero books. We don't get necessarily the type of people who like get off on reading like dusty books. Not those kinds of dusty books, I should say. My own audience has their own uh, nerd nerdy propensities, but but not those. They're not reading necessarily uh, Deleuze and you know Derrida. Uh, more along well, like the, the history glad. of like the British Labour Party or like Ralph Miliband or something. Right, right? like that's mm-hmm. more their speed. So I don't want to scare anybody away. Let me talk about the actual import of this debate before we get into the weeds, which is it's a debate fundamentally about the role of culture versus quote material, like political economy, uh, role of like sort of uh, do thoughts or material reality, you know, of, of life under capitalism sort of rule, uh, how, how things turn out. How, how do we, I mean, this, the, 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 the debate between mental conceptions and material realities in the world has been a long-standing one throughout philosophy and in politics, and I think it's really it looms large today. One of the f- critiques that comes out of my mouth, and it has come out of my mouth for the past three years now, is that I think that the left, and certainly mainstream political discourse, is uh, far too idealist and in way it's just not materialist enough. And so I think I owe it to my audience, and and we will work this out together. To talk about just what we mean when we say that, what we mean when we say that it's really important for people to, to turn and return constantly to political economy to assess the kind of levers of power in society 
versus how academics, how a lot of the activists that come out of academia, that come out of universities, and that's how they were radicalized. They were radicalized in this, uh, in this idiom, under this rhetoric, which privileges mental conceptions, ideas over material forces of production and class forces and the balance of political and class forces and, and so on and so on. So we're going to flesh that out. That's the real interesting nugget for my audience. So I'll let you yeah, okay. jump yeah, uh, into okay. the, to that more right. abstract stuff. Okay. Well, I'm going to try to not be so abstract. Um, oh, we can do it. I just wanted to, I just wanted to sell them on the importance of kind of going on this journey with us. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be philosophical, but try not to be abstract. And, and by that, I mean, uh, it's like, like this. I think that the philosophical debate between idealism and materialism is in the background of this kind of political debate that's taking place not in the not in philosophy departments but in literature departments right there this is in the they're in departments of communication and literature but the the, the philosophical debate is long-standing and not resolved between idealism and materialism no we we really haven't there's no solution there i mean i, I happen to think that Hegel is probably on the right track when it comes to overcoming this question of of uh, mind and body, say, but just another way to reconceive of the material versus um, ideal or cultural debate. But I just want to like point out if when you make that move and say, "Hey, let's rethink of this in the realm of philosophy," my understanding is, is that there's going to be a lot of objections from the culturalists, idealists in literature departments to just making that move because once you, the, the funny thing about the culturalist perspective is if I say, Oh yeah, I understand this in a logical way. It's kind of reflecting or echoing the question that even Descartes was wrestling with. What they'll say is, Oh, that history of Western philosophy is itself an idea, a culture, that's developed in a certain history and represents your identity and is a, in itself to make that move as a power play. And uh, we reject that move. Uh, we want to embrace our own right to define our own conditions um, and, you know, the, our own theoretical apparatus and reject your, you know, turn to the white male oppressive tradition of philosophy. So you've got a real problem at the start of this debate, which is that you can't even come to any agreement about what it is to be an idealist, how it's usually conceived of, what the debate is about. Um, but I think that we ought to do that. I think we ought to say, look, an idealist, okay, what is it to be an idealist? It means that you believe that the ideas that you have in your head are the world, that 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 you know it ultimately the the problem with idealism is it leads to solipsism that you don't you can't even discover that there are other people in the world because you believe that the perceptions that you're individually experiencing your subjectivity is the foundation of the world the problem is it's very difficult to get away from that argument cuz the it you know i think therefore i am almost has a solipsistic quality to it but which i think is a a sound argument, but anyway, I'm 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 now veering off. the The point is that materialism wants to talk about the external world 
and the world that exists outside of our understanding, our human concepts. The world, the and, world, the thing, the machinations that go on behind our back, if you will. Right. Yeah. And the idealists want to say that they solve the problem of the split between our understanding, our subjectivity, and the so-called objective world by saying, no, there is no objectivity. And all that matters is subjectivity. And I mean, they're the most extreme versions of it, but that's sort of the, the way that they idealists lean. And so to call someone who's a, a culturalist, an idealist, is to throw them in with people who uh, on their face look crazy, like Barclay, who says, you know, there's no such thing as a material world. Everything is just God's I ideas uh, and understanding. So, so I mean, there's a rich tradition here in terms of like, right, like what, what does or doesn't exist. Uh, you put out a video on YouTube. I'll give you opportunity to pitch that video. I did watch most of it. And you talk, uh, you actually air a, a quote, a passage from Chomsky where he, where he sort of says like, you know, we've, we've done away. What does he say? We've done away with the physical world. Like the physical world hasn't existed for at least 300 years. Right. <laughs> like, in right. the history of Western philosophy anyway. Um, and perhaps even Eastern philosophy, if you want to sort of make that, uh, Oriental Orientalist move, but uh, you know. So tell, talk to us about that it's video. And what does Chomsky, Chomsky mean that, right? when he says yeah. we've we've done away with the 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 material world for the past like three four hundred years in Western philosophy? It's a really it intriguing uh, claim to make. I mean, yeah. What does I mean, mean, I only know I only know a little bit about what he means because because I I think he means something a little bit beyond what I know. But what, one thing that he means is that there's no philosophical conception of the material world that makes any sense, that coheres. Um, that, you know, Hume and Locke uh, and Barclay, who he doesn't mention, all sort of had their way with the material world. That um, Locke tried to resolve the issue between how we can uh, have a concept of something that's outside of our conceptions. Uh, Hume threw it aside, <laughs> uh, the, the, you know, embracing the passions. And, uh, but, you know, the, what Hume is best at, from my limited memory of, of studying him in college, is, is discrediting cherished ideas like the idea that there's such a thing as cause and effect. <laughs> and so the history of Western philosophy has gotten to the point now, I think, um, where what you have are rigorous descriptions of systems of, of uh, you know, and, uh, and concepts, but that you don't have any referent now within those systems to an outside world. And it's really interesting because no one would accuse Chomsky of being a culturalist. Yeah. Well, I think he was almost he was really lamenting that fact, I think, because his his own philosophy is is kind of a, a much more rigorous empiricism. I mean, he came down very infamously in, in that direction in his famous debate uh, with Michel Foucault. Foucault is is kind of the, the godfather. He's the he's the secret, um, you know, overlord <laughs> in the culturalist, uh, i.e., um, cultural studies side of this debate. So let's spell this out. So Lawrence Grossberg um, kind of started up or represented the side of the debate with defending the claim that Marx had it all wrong. The Marxists are all vulgar materialists and the class can in no way, shape or form be determined uh, to represent any kind of overarching causal mechanism. It is merely one of many determining and over-determining forces 
that we have to sort of tease out in a kind of Stuart Hall fashion. If people have read any Stuart Hall, you don't have to to understand what I'm getting at here because it's kind of in the post-structuralist ether that we've all sort of <laughs> suffered under, I'll say, for a right. long time, which is that this is method of articulation, that in any given discrete moment, we have to kind of decipher which level or instance of the social totality is dominant. And that, and which means that class could play a factor or maybe it doesn't. Maybe there's identity, gender, race, uh, ethnicity, whatever. They all sort of come together to form an inchoate and hopelessly complex tangled web. It's like this is like effusive language that these people like to use. And they do a lot of talking with their hands to try to indicate like how complex and uh, indeterminate all of this is. I and, talk with my hands a lot and, too. And I, <laughs> mostly when I'm like, trying to give the impression I know what I'm talking about? Yes. So I yes. I wasn't going to say it, but you did. All right. <laughs> this concludes your free teaser of this week's B-Side. Head over to patreon.com slash deadpundits and subscribe today to hear the rest of this episode and to double your DPS pleasure each week.